Welcome. I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and my guest today on What's Your Superpower, the podcast, is Matt Bolan. And Matt is an Australian filmmaker, actor, maverick, and an award-winning director and producer. Welcome, Matt, and thank you for your time. Faye, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Now, Matt, what we do here is we get you to share your experiences share where you come from what you do and why you're so passionate about what you do so let's start sharing a little bit about you well as you mentioned I'm an Australian filmmaker and actor a bit of a maverick so basically where this all started was ever since I was a child at a young age I'd always been obsessed with television cinema and just I guess you could say content like I used to mimic my own sort of television shows that I adored when they were on tv at the time and fortunately as an adult I've actually gotten to work with a lot of these stars that I grew up with like chasing them up like admiring their stuff and bringing them in onto my films as a way of giving back I guess you could say for all the entertainment they gave me so I'm Yeah, that's where that started. And when I was eight, this was in 1999, and I think I mentioned it when I featured on your show in Southern FM a little while ago. Um, Basically, I produced my own little home movie using one of those old higher cameras or camcorders, if you like. This was in 99. I wouldn't, it's not not my best work. Um, It was pretty home movie home movie-ish um however I guess you could say that's where things technically started and my first real sort of step into the media industry was in 2010 when I first enrolled in film school I was 18 at the time and this was at Holmes Glen um it's Glen Waverley campus which they no longer do film anymore however at the time yeah they were starting their they were experimenting with bachelor degrees so I got in there I was there for a couple of years that's where I made my first proper short film uh, it was called Give Me Confidence and we shot this in 2011 then after that I took a bit of a break from uni because I felt that I wasn't quite mature enough yet to properly get the most out of my course and I needed some time to grow up so yeah I I did some work on community radio ironically Southern FM as well um and KCFM made some content in between and it was around 2016 when I returned to film only this time at JMC Academy in South Melbourne where I produced my major short film and I finally got my degree and basically, yeah, after that, I set up Bolin Entertainment, which is my own little indie production company. And I produced a diverse range of content from animation to live action films to documentaries. And then they've gone on to win awards in a range of Hollywood and European film festivals. Before the war in Ukraine, I was one of the very few Western filmmakers to have their work screened in Russia which was in some Russian film festivals. There was two, one in St. Petersburg and the other in Moscow. And that was a very interesting experience. And yeah, 
I've also, as I said, I've had some training in performing arts and I like to sort of be a bit of an Orson Welles. I like to star in the films I produce or present them as well as um, like direct them. So it's always the challenging thing. But, yeah, I like to do that sort of Clint Eastwood sort of thing. Okay. So I guess... I want to ask you, why do you like performing? What is it about performing that you like? It's not just being behind the camera, but it's also being in front of the camera. What What is it that you like about it? I think what I like about performing is that it gives you the chance to sort of express yourself creatively. It can it sort of gets you to experiment with different personalities that are not necessarily your own, if that makes sense. Like it's sort of, it, it gets you to test the boundaries. It, it can also be a real confidence booster as well, because when you're playing a part, there are some, there are some roles you play that like the jock, for example, or something like that, that you would never, that your own personality would probably never do. But when you're acting, it's different, if that makes sense, because you become that part, if you like. I think as well, yeah, I guess another thing I like about performing is, I like to be in front of the camera. I like the I like the limelight on me a bit in a way. And yeah, it's I can't explain it. I just get an enjoyment from it. So I would say that that's what it is. Do you ever speak to anyone else who who is a director or a filmmaker um, and ask them if they want to be in front of the camera if they're not in front of the camera? Do you ever talk to any any of them about that? And yeah, the why, I mean, I have on a num. I have on a number of occasions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have on a number of occasions. Some look, most of them will say that they prefer to be behind the camera because they don't. A lot of them are camera shy. A lot of them don't feel like they're photogenic enough. A lot of some of them just think that they have more to offer behind and it's not really their place to be in front of the camera. And that's fair enough if that's their decision. And then, of course, you have some others that are that I've worked with that do like to be in front of their camera as well, because they also were initially I guess you could say they were trained actors that sort of when they came of age or reached a different stage of their life they decided to be, go behind the camera and direct to try something different. But, you know, that performance sort of trait of their personality or DNA never really goes away. Those are more of the ones that like to act as well as direct. Whereas the ones that sort of just start off as directing from that young age and that's they're the ones that don't really want to get into it, if that makes sense. It does. And it's also a bit of a personality thing too. True. And and I remember once upon a time, I always liked being behind the camera, not in front of it. Now, who cares? <laughs> well, it can go the opposite way as well. I mean, like look at somebody like Seth MacFarlane. Like most of the time he was behind the camera, except for when he was doing his voice acting. And then all of a sudden, like with Ted or like he all of a sudden he started to want to become in front of the camera as well. So it can work in counter. Look, basically, I guess with life, we go through different stages of it. We go through, we have different things that interest us at different stages and our desires shift as we even mature or as we like have experiences in life and 
yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes you do just gradually want to try something different that's out of your comfort zone and out of your realm, whether it's act, like directing to acting or acting to directing. But I don't think you ever lose that initial thing that interests you to begin with, even if you don't practice it to the same extent anymore. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where it stays with you. So you'll always be partial to it. What's your big why? Why is it that you do what you do? Is it because you want to become famous for what you do or is it because you want to bring out the best in what other people do or is it a combination of both? I think if you had have asked me this question when I was 20, I probably definitely would have said to have become famous or to become a celebrity where else now that I'm 32 and I've sort of matured a bit, like it's no longer really about, you know, that whole celebrity status. It's more about doing what you're passionate about, but it, but it's also, but it's also more about well, with me, I do it because I like to be able to create wonderland for others, create that imagination through the art of cinema, give them that sort of narrative, that sort of positive memory of being entertained by the work I produce. So, and when it comes to working with actors from a director's perspective, it's one of those things where it's very difficult because the thing that irritates me these days is everybody's all like, a lot of directors have, I won't say have become lazy, but a lot of them have developed a laissez-faire approach where it's like, you do what you want if it feels right for the character. And it's like, well, no, that's, not entirely how it should work if you're the director you need to be able to provide guidance and a vision to to the actor so they can have something to go by I mean that doesn't necessarily mean that you micromanage them either because that's not that's a terrible form of directing but I guess with actors I need I provide them with the vision that they need and the direction and the guidance whilst at the same time giving them a bit of leg room to maybe ad lib or do an improv if it feels right at the time. And I've experienced this as well when I've been acting and working with directors. A lot of them, like to get a bit a great audition or to get the best performance out of somebody, you need to be able to give them that guidance. You need to be able to, because a director is effectively a coach in a way. You need to provide that. And a lot of them don't, whether it's, I don't, I don't know why they just give you the script and say, do what you like with it. Well, one of the best directors that I've worked with who actually directed one of my own projects that I produced was um, Stig Wames. And he's a renowned, he started off as an Australian actor and voiceover artist. And he, he's one of the examples I was talking about that shifted to directing and behind the camera whilst he still pays homage to his performance side every now and then. And, when he was directing me in my film Insufferable, which is coming out like this week, potentially next week, he was very much, I got, I felt more comfortable in the role and more confident with my performance and being able to learn my lines because he had this idea in his head of how it should be. He had this vision with what he wanted to get out of me as an actor. And he was a real coach with that. He wasn't, um, he wasn't a megalomaniac however he gave like I was able to ask how would you like me to play this and he would have the answer or he'd be like I want you to do it this way and I'd be like terrific and yeah I even 
Like he even had tips on what I should do to method act for it. And honestly, that was by far a performance that I've been most happy about for a very long time because a lot of directors have not given me that opportunity. Like, you know, it's, sometimes it's, I feel like we've got, we've got too much freedom. Like you need that guidance yeah, is what I'm I trying to I, say. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, from what you're saying, I get get the feeling that a director really needs to know how the film needs to go and how each person is to present themselves as that character on screen and giving them direction, giving them an idea of how they to present themselves and also giving them a little bit of leeway to ad lib through that process but the basis of it is that they understand this is what's required and this is how it's to be done so that you can get the outcome that is required at the end of the film is that how i see yeah yeah and thinking about that and actors and i take quite a bit of notice of how people act on film now and it's really interesting because some of them are really good and some of them are kind of mediocre. And I'm not a professional, I'm not an actor, so but I'm kind of giving my opinion. I've done a little bit of acting but not much. like to do a lot more, actually. But, it's never um, too late to start. <laughs> just got to pluck up the courage. But it's interesting to watch people I've not been behind the scenes and watched a director work and I've not really thought about how a director works so what are some of the qualities and the attributes that a director needs to direct a film you know you see people um, directors produce a film from a book so they read the book and then they have an interpretation of that book it's not the same as what the book is it's similar but they interpret it in the way that they see it, as we interpret life in the way we see it. Well, in regards to the book one, it's very funny you should mention that because the whole book-to-movie concept has been a very controversial one for many filmmakers and authors in the past because it either really works well, the writer is either on the same page as the director and they're all happy, or the writer ends up hating it in the end and just like disowns it and you blocks them and signs all these rights that sign it signs all these like contracts for their work never to be released on film again of course the way hollywood works which is pretty bad in itself is they just wait till that author dies and then they just snatch the rights again from their kids so but yeah i i guess what a director needs in order to be, in my opinion, to be a successful director is, for starters, they need to have a vision. They need to have confidence within themselves to be able to advocate to producers and to people in the industry their vision and why it's important. They have to be compromising as well at the same time. It's really a lot of balances and nuances that they need because if they're too uncompromising, People won't want to work with them. They won't remember their performance fondly and they'll just get a reputation for being a difficult person in the industry. I mean, but it's also 
you need to have people skills. You need to be able to communicate with people. You need to be able to engage with them because one one size shoe doesn't fit all. Different people have different values. They have different things which trigger their emotions. They have different things which get a better performance out of them compared to others. And I think that a director needs to be able to be versatile in their articulation and communication with all kinds of different personalities that they're going to come across, some reasonable, some unreasonable. They also need to have a fundamental knowledge of the technical side of it as well. Now, for somebody like me, who's a bit more of a textbook director, like I've had to sort of, learn a bit more than what I normally do with the technical side of how softwares work and how and the different cameras. I must admit that is probably something that I do need a bit more information on myself. Having said that, that's an important thing so you can communicate the language to a cinematographer. I think that being a director as well, the most important thing is that you need to be able to get a grasp of the story you need to be able to get shit done like you need you need to be able to work to work you need to be able to finish your product yes sometimes it will go over budget a little bit you try to avoid it but sometimes it's inevitable and sometimes it will go beyond due dates in certain circumstances it's one of those things though that you just need to yeah you need to be able to have all these ducks in line at the same time and that's what makes it a difficult task it 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 also is something that you know you're relying on other people you have this vision you have this end result that you want to see but you you're working with people with different behaviors different personalities you've got to understand those different behaviors and those different personalities you have to be emotionally intelligent i find basically Yeah, and you've got to be able to work with them and understand where they're coming from. I mean, we all have good days and we all have bad days. So an actor can come on and everything's going great for them so that they they present really well. And then other times there might be something going on behind the scenes in their life that just throws them off a little bit. So it might take a little bit longer to get one of the scenes done that, that um, should have been done sooner. So going over budget, going over time, all those sort of things should be, um, let's say, predicted into what's what's happening, even if it doesn't go over budget and it doesn't go over time. But it, it needs to be something that has a little bit of leeway there. Your thoughts? Hmm. I mean, you still have to be reasonable with it, though. Like, you don't want a scenario like Heaven's Gate in 1980 where the director of that just went like five times over budget and it went two years to delay. Like I think that there is, you still have to be reasonable, but occasionally it will spill over due to certain circumstances, sometimes beyond like beyond your own like fault basically. So it's. I mean, there are certain things that can be out of your control. And so therefore what happens is that, Things happen, but you've you've got to have that flexibility to be able to roll with it as well, but also keep it under control. So when you're directing a film and and you're you're working with the actors, what sort of things do you look for when you're finding actors to do a part in a film that you're producing? What is it that you look for? I find 
look, with me, it really comes down to like you just know at the time, like when you're having an audition, you you sense it. Like for me, more holistically, like when you find the right actor for a role. I mean, some of them I have admiration for from when I was a child. Some of them, the more veteran ones that I like to follow up. But in, in regards to casting an actor that's neutral in that sense, really it just comes down to what emotions, what they can do in the audition. Like if they can, if it's a comedy and they can just make me laugh through their performance, it then like that'll pretty much sell it. There was one particular example of this actress who I've now be we've now sort of worked together on many projects and become friends with um Kathy Whitaker basically she when I was auditioning for my first animation and this was in early 2018 she came into the audition and straight away she was just this very vibrant person like this charismatic one that just like shone a ray of light and as soon as she started auditioning, I thought in my head, bam, I'm going to work with this person. Like, I've never seen this sort of charisma before. Like, she's just absolutely perfect. So I brought her into that project and I've worked with her ever since. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, there are some people that are not as holistic as me in that sense that just look for the whole sort of skill set or look for, like, all the little technical stuff. But with me, it really just comes down to just, you just feel it. Like, yeah, you get a gut gut instinct, gut feel. That's how I operate. Yeah, yeah, understand it. It's it, your gut's your other heart, you know, so you you or your brain and you, you get a gut feel for someone if they walk in and they present to you in an audition and you get a gut feel for whether they're right for the part or they're not right for the part or they're not right for anything that you want to do. And that's it's just the life. sort of, it's the sort of emotions as well they can sort of, they can bring out of me too. Like laughter is a very amazing thing, particularly if it's comedy. If you can make me kneel over and laugh, which is a hard thing to do, then yes, like that person is perfect for that role. Like it's theirs. Yeah. So, but you, yes, this sort of stuff, you can't, you can't really predict this sort of stuff. It just sort of happens like at that time. And I think that that's, that's an interesting way to do it. What qualities would you say that a director needs that you have developed over the years by doing what you've done, you know, the training you've done, the filming that you've done, what sort of qualities have you developed that you continually build on? What are your superpowers in that area? What is it that I would say communication skills are essential. The ability to communicate, to go the extra mile. If somebody doesn't get the role that auditions, to contact them to say, uh, instead of leaving them hanging, I'm sorry, like this time around, we're going to go with somebody else. Look, it, it is tough. It's not an easy thing to do. But at the same time, I've been on both ends of the fence. And it's to me, it is always much worse and much more crueler to not let them know if they got the part or if they didn't, if they just leave them hanging afterwards. I think that that's, and plus as well, you're dealing with some very eccentric people in the acting industry. Like you never know if you're going to be on the train one day or in a public place and they're just going to confront you. And I have heard stories of this happening and say, why didn't I get the role? So that's the sort of thing. Like if you tell them, then at least that sort of 
brings an end to it or it should. So, but it's, I guess what I've developed over time as well is confidence. When I made my first film in 2011, I had nowhere near the confidence that I do now. And I was a bit more, I won't say vulnerable, but when it, like, I wasn't strong enough with my own sort of vision that I wanted to get out of it. So I got railroaded in a couple of ways for that project. I'm still proud of it and I'm still pleased with the end result. However, nowadays, like if I believe in something, I've got the confidence to really stand up for it and like stand my ground. Another thing that I've sort of developed is a bit more, I've definitely matured as a director. Like the, the stuff I used to make when I was younger was more, how do I, it was more sort of adolescent, like, coming of age sort of comedies like it was that sort of it was just more sort sort of an immature like sort of style of writing but it was also just that sort of it was a bit more lowbrow humor well as I've sort of grown up I've become so much more than that I've done documentaries on very heavy topics like philosophy and holocaust survivors I've also like I've tried, I've tried to make a lot more informative stuff. The characters that I've written have become more complex. They've also, there's been a lot more nuance to it. So I would say that the type of writing is matured. It's not as rough around the edges. Like the the directing style is not as grungy, if you like. It's become more cinematic. So I guess so you could say that. Yeah, so you're looking for, you know, you're not just looking at the actor when they're performing, but you're looking at the surroundings, making sure the surroundings are right, that brings out and enhances the actor as they're performing whatever they're doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you, you are directing a film and you're, you've got, you are you behind the camera or are you directing the film itself or are you doing one one or the other which is it um it really depends but in most cases when i'm in front of the camera and behind it i do we do the shot um like i say cut when the shot's ended even if i'm in it and then i go around i usually have a dop on me that's very competent and that knows exactly what they're doing as a as extra padding when you because when you're in front of the camera as well you want to make sure that the dop you can trust the dop that they're going to be proper you do playbacks oh, sorry director for a photography okay. all right so in other words a camera operator it's a fancy name for camera operator you <laughs> want to make sure that they're very skilled in what they do because yeah like you can play, you can do, you can play the shots afterwards, but yeah, when you're in front of the camera as well as like, as directing it, you have to sort of, this is probably another reason why a lot of people are more reluctant to do it because you have to also rely on others to make sure it's technically up to scratch. Whereas if you're only behind the camera, you can see the whole shots from the monitor. Yeah. So in that sense, but look, I, I was never one to walk away from a challenge and, yeah, that's generally the way I do it. So you like to be challenged? Um, when, you're, when you see something that's not quite right, what sort of, what, what do you do? How do you, 
how do you work through the process? Well, as I've become older, I've become much more of a perfectionist when it comes to this sort of stuff. So sometimes I'll want to do the shot again to get that right, to get it right. Sometimes, like, I'll just look at it, like, if I've worded something wrong, I'll just want to rechange it. Like, if I've uploaded a video on YouTube of my work and I see that there's an actual wrong spelling or there's a capital letter that's in the wrong place, I will try to fix that. So yeah, I guess in that sense, but over like it's I become much more nitpicky with that sort of stuff because my my interest in trying to get the best with with what I have and sometimes you have a shoestring budget. Most of the time you have a shoestring budget. It yeah, like you really do become a stigler for little things, mm. and that can annoy the shit out of some people, but it can also earn their respect as well. So what would you say your superpowers are as a director and a producer? As a director and a producer, my I guess my superpowers are the ability to get shit done, which a lot of people do projects and they never finish them, they never get round to them, they do them lacklusterly, they don't have the energy. So I can spit out a lot of projects more quicker than a lot of people. Some people it takes like three years just to do one film. Well, like over the last couple, like since last year, I've produced a mini series of little five minute videos on my YouTube and I've made about 11 episodes of them so far. So that is one of the superpowers that I have that I can actually make stuff happen, which is not as common as what it may sound. Um, and another superpower, I guess, uh, is the ability to have a creative visionary, like visionary style, which is pretty rare nowadays because a lot of people have become more into, a lot of people have put a lot of emphasis on corporate, like videography and the technical side of things. With Like you don't see as much that sort of creative experimentalism in cinema that, you used to in it in previous periods that's not to say that it can't return because at some stage i'm sure it will having said that at the at present time 2023 what we're seeing basically is a lot of because of that like heavily involvement in videography for corporate business and playing it safe with a lot of reality tv and generics you lose that ability to think outside the box and that cognitive decline sort of appears so that's I think that one of the things that I even though it means that there have been a lot of times where I've had to do it for love and not money which is pleasant but it's also frustrating like I have had to go down that pathway on a number of occasions but having said that though somebody needs to do it somebody needs to think outside the box somebody needs to take the chances somebody needs to take the risks that a lot of people are not prepared to do in order to preserve cinema, to create new innovation and spark imagination. Matt, what I see as your, your superpowers are persistence, never giving up, actually resilience, because you've got to be resilient when things are challenging uh, and you see through to the end and make sure things happen. You don't stop midway. So you continue on and complete the projects that need to be completed. Is that my assumption? That would be a correct assessment. 
I like to play the long-term game, but it's also at the same time though, like you have to be patient and you have to be driven, motivated. So yeah, that would be correct. Yeah, the motivation is a really important one. And keeping that momentum going too would be really Mm. important. Your momentum as well as those that are involved in whatever project you're doing. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, and look, there's some people that you can't, you can't hold their attention forever. Like there are some people that are just going to, their interest is going to wane on what you're doing and they're going to want to go their own way and do something else. And look, like I said, unless they've really, unless they like have already started acting in the film and then leaving just ruins everything. um, You have to, in in other circumstances, you have to let them go if they no longer want to, if they no longer share the same vision as you, because you just it's just not going to work anymore i mean that like i said though if you've already committed to a project in my opinion it is your obligation i mean people will say i don't owe you anything and i find that annoying but look what basically what i think is if you've if you've made plans if you've committed to something then you need to see it through because it's not fair to the other person that you've committed to it's not like for all the work they've put in and for all the stress that you're going to place on them for you to just walk away um yeah like that halfway through it like that I don't agree with that type of mentality in the film industry but it does happen people Mm -hmm. do leave people do let you down I think I think it happens in all life situations but if you're making a commitment in a film I think you need to see it through or don't start it in the first place Mm. I mean, look, if you don't want to have a future working with that person, then that's fine. But leave after you've finished what you've already started. So it's a smoother exit, if that makes sense. Mm. You don't have to work with them again if you don't want to. You can do a completely different career, but at least finish that project so they don't have a heart attack trying to find a replacement and trying to salvage it. And it's also about reputation. You know, you can get a bad reputation when you don't finish things. A lot of people, a lot of people think in the moment, not everybody thinks like that long-term. Yeah. The fact is it does create a bad reputation, but people are very impulsive as a personality. They just, they think very primal in some ways. Like, I I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, how, how dare you? Like, uh, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm like, a lot of people don't comprehend the magnitude of their actions until afterwards. And I think that that's, a lot of the time that sort of stuff is self-made. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say thanks, Matt, for sharing your experience and your superpowers. And I wish you luck with all your endeavours that you pursue in the future, filmmaking, producing, acting, doing all that sort of stuff. I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator. This has been another What's Your Superpower podcast, and I'll be back again soon. Bye for now.